Welcome to the Bronx Cheer Basketball Show. I'm your host, Nathan Callanan, and as always, I'm joined by my co-host, Jack Lynch. We're coming to you from Melbourne, Australia, where it is currently 4.30pm on Tuesday, the 1st of December. On today's show, uh, there hasn't really been much in NBA news, so we'll talk about the very little that has happened, and then we're going to get into a... The season's coming up, so we're going to talk about who we think are the best 10 players that are shaped to really hit this season hard. Lots of technical words. I know. I'm sorry about the the lack of clarity, JL. Yeah, you really... <laughs> I can't even explain the, the stress they've put me through trying to explain <laughs> how to rank these 10 players. I naturally took it as the 10 best players, and then he told me, no, it's got to be this, this, and this. And then to clarify, he just said, you know what? Just make it the 10 best players. So I might be upsetting him. Who knows? Hopefully it works out. It's going to be a good one. (laughs) I hope so. (laughs) It's time for tip off. When he's sticking you and taking all your money. Ladies and gentlemen, please do not, do not throw anything on the board if you injure a player on either team. Decker's going to go. surprised by that and and the players are telling him not to be doing that once again welcome to the bronx cheer basketball show i am joined by a guy who was signed and traded in exchange for a lovely second round draft pick i think it was and trade exception what did you get what did you get for uh, gordon hayward 28 million bucks, cash in hand. Thank you very much. There was something else that, that you got though. It was like oh, it was a, a did second you say rounder, it? I think, something useless. Some, and like it was even like a, a word on the second rounder. Like, I don't, why did the Hornets actually do it? Do you know? Apart from yeah, what was in it for them to sign and trade? I think, well, I think it helped their. It helps um, Hayward fit into their category. Uh, their fucking, I can't talk at the moment. It, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what happened there. It helped Hayward fit into their salary cap, okay, um, right. which I don't know the full ins and out of ins and outs of. But for some reason, that's why. And because they had to overpay him, they had to get rid of Nicholas Batum, who you know, they're essentially paying Hayward an extra nine million dollars a year to get rid of Batum. Um, but yeah, here we are, and Boston's got twenty eight million bucks. Yeah, trade exception, the largest trade exception ever. And you mentioned Batum. I'll just you know rattle off any sort of news that I can think of. He plans after he's cleared waivers because yeah, the Hornets waived him. Um, he plans to sign with the Clippers. Was that's what was reported? Sorry, I'm dying. Uh, <laughs> We're both struggling here. Um. Oh, and I just knocked my pop filter. Jesus, this is just a mess. All right. Um, some key dates have, have to remember to uh, put in your calendar starting from actually today, 
uh, by the date. I mean, it's 1st of December here in Australia. Tomorrow it'll be the 1st of December. That's when individual player workouts start. That'll run from the 1st to the 5th, same as Media Week, if you want to call it Media Week. Uh, Then from December 6th, group player workouts begin. December 11th to 19th, the preseason games that happen. Of course, Boston's playing Philly for the billionth time. Um, who else have Boston got? We got Philly have got Pacers. I don't even look, Nath. You know me. Yeah. Preseason yeah. means nothing to me. So Yeah, same here. Um, it's the only like I mean the starters don't play. It's exciting to see your rookies, but the opposition main like you don't, they don't even need to be there for the most part because you're not worried about matchups or anything it's just how well they play together so i'm very looking forward to the surprise on day one where boston's matching up with someone <laughs> yeah taco fall starting thank you very much peyton pritchard mate my my favorite new young player is going to be dropping <laughs> dropping threes from 30 feet taco getting offensive rebounds it's all you can ask for um and december 22nd of course is to sorry december 22nd is the start of the 20 20- 2020, 2021 uh, NBA season. And it, till March 4th, it's, you know, counted as the first half of the regular season. And there is going to be an all-star break from March 5th to 10th, but there's going to be no all-star game. I think Indiana-Napolis, <laughs> Indianapolis, Indianapolis, <laughs> uh, um, we're meant to host 2021 all-star game and that's now been pushed, I think, to 2024. Yeah, something like that. Um. Which sucks for them, man. Um, anyway, and then from March 11th till May 16th, second half of the regular season happens. Um, blah, blah. Playing tournament May 18th and then the NBA playoffs on May 22. So hopefully we can get this season out of the way, Philly win the championship or something, <laughs> and then we're back to normality with some sort of vaccine um, for the next season, That'd even though nice. uh, the silly, the Philly, the silly, <laughs> the silly, the Philly backup center, Dwight Howard, um, is an anti vaxxer, which I have to put up with. Aren't we all? Oh, <laughs> gosh. Oh, don't tell me you're an anti vaxxer. <laughs> no, no. But, you know, when, when you mentioned the dates, Nate, you mentioned the fucking the stupid play in tournament, and that oh. was good for the bubble. I liked it. It was fun. But it was good that they said you had to be within four or five games or whatever it was of the eighth seat to make it fair to qualify for it. This season, there's 72-game season and they're still going to have a play-in a play in, play in tournament with no – there's no requirement for how many games behind you are. So what are you doing yeah. for the – like? there's a 72-game play-in tournament technically. Why do they need to add another one with no requirements? Yeah. If there was I like – if it was like if you're within three or four games, that's fair enough because – there's obviously injuries and stuff, and maybe you can argue that that's beneficial and that makes it more fun and it's a fair go for everyone. But if you're the eighth seed and, you know, you're, you're 12 games ahead of the ninth, which probably won't happen, but it's possible, imagine missing out because of that. That is ridiculous. So there's my little rant for this morning or the, the start of the episode. It's not even the fucking morning. <laughs> We're having We're a shocker. <laughs> all over the place. But I see what you're saying and I guess, I don't know, I'm not really thinking about it too much. Um, it's going to be fun in the West, but damn boring as every year in the East. Like, oh, you know, Orlando against the Hornets or something like that. <laughs> yeah. Um, 
But yeah, just more money. That's what they want. Pretty much. Moving on, Clay Thompson had a successful Achilles surgery. He will be out for the whole season, but his uh, surgery was successful. And I am out of news in my brain. Yeah. I don't have anything Mark noted Oh, but we noted that on the did we the other pod? Yeah, we did. Oh, well, there you go. I thought that was more recent. Yeah, he, yeah, that's happening. Lakers, Lakers are doing their thing. Evan All Turner, right. Evan Turner, an assistant coach of the Celtics. Yeah, the quote god. <laughs> He was like the best player of the process years. He's like all I knew of a good player on oh, the Sixers. I love Evan Turner. He's just so, he's so funny. The quotes he pulled out when he, during his time for Boston, love it. But let's let's move on because if I get, yeah. if I start talking about Evan Turner, I won't stop. I guess it's also worth mentioning. Did you see Nate Robinson get knocked out? <laughs> I think everyone saw it except for Nate. <laughs> oh man. <laughs> And I saw one meme, pretty straightforward, not that clever, but at the same time, can't go wrong. You just had to wear Nick's colours, Nate. I mean, <laughs> the, the clear orange and blue, I mean, was never going to go Did well. Did you see the um, someone photoshopped Nate in the dunk contest, dunk, dunking, like jumping over Dwight Howard, <laughs> and they photoshopped him unconscious on the ground and said, uh, oh. people are funny. I love the internet. But anyway, let's get into this heated battle. I think it will be. Um, our top 10 players, this will be a long sentence, <laughs> our top 10 players coming into this season. And what I meant by that is, for example, if we just said the general 10 best players, you'd have to say someone like, I kept giving the example to you, Kevin Durant is so high in the list, but I want to hear yours and my perspective on where we think Kevin Durant ranks coming off such a long break and an Achilles injury, even with his age. Um, and that's just a good example. Circumstantial top 10 coming into this season. I think what threw me out is that any time I've ever done a top 10, and you know I hate doing top 10s, yeah. but I would always give a circumstantial top 10. I wouldn't say that <laughs> when in between 90... 94 and 95 when Jordan wasn't playing, I wouldn't put him as the best player in the league when he's not in the league, you know what I mean? I would always yeah. do circumstantial. So I think that's where you lost me. Yeah, that's right. Well, see, and that's what I said to you off air at the start. Apart from people having different rankings, it's not actually these sort of debates aren't, you know, a few moments into a conversation over a beer or a, or an IPA, <laughs> Thanks, <laughs> as you handed me the other day. Um <laughs> You have to discover the other person in the conversation, what they're talking about exactly. Because when you're talking to me, I'm my basically killer criteria is, is um, playoff performance and also um, peak of their abilities, peak of their powers. I always say to people like, even though, um, for example, I might not have KD you know, in the top wherever today, the peak of KD's powers is higher than people on this list that I've got him above. It's just the injury, circumstantial. So hopefully that gives the gist to everyone um, listening. And I'm sorry for dragging you through the mud there, trying to uh, <laughs> organize I'm, I'm used your top to it 10. from you. But as you said, it is a bit boring who's at the top. So let's start off with our top Two, yeah, it's top two. Have, you, have, and then, have we got the same top two? 
No, we don't. I feel like it's you know when someone's watching Star Wars for the first time and you've got to try and explain the order of the movies? That's mm. what our countdown order is gonna be like because we wanna <laughs> we wanna <laughs> count down, we wanna count up because we've, bo- we've right, both got the same players, number one. Let's just go um the top one and then we'll go from ten down um ten backwards. Done. Okay, so number one, because so we don't bore people at the end of what, what number one is. Um, I've got Ramon. <laughs> uh, now, LeBron James. <laughs> and who have you got? <laughs> you, you knew, I've been saying this for how many years now, Nate? My opinion hasn't changed in a long time. LeBron James, of course. All right. So, and let's just let's just talk about him for two seconds. So, he was born in a doesn't say on basketball reference, but he is. Um, oh, maybe it does actually. I'm just not clicking on the more info. He was born in '84, so he's going to be 36 years old on December 30. Um, coming into this season, how good of a LeBron? Are you, are you thinking he's going to stay as good as, for example, this year? Or are we going to see a tiny decline or even a he's shown that he can actually improve with each of these late 30 years, mid-30 years? Well, what's confusing about LeBron is most players have their style of play and they, you know, they use their athleticism to their best and they work out how to integrate it. Whereas LeBron was insanely athletic then develop the cerebral part of his game where he's more intelligent than anyone else out there. And now as his athleticism's declined, he's just got even smarter and smarter. And like as good as he was in 2013 when he won, you know, the back-to-back MVP and back-to-back finals MVP, and everyone's like, this is arguably the best season we've ever seen. He's He might be better than that now. Probably not defensively. And he can't do it for his like a sustained period like he did, you know, all 82 games plus the playoffs then. But when it matters, he's just one step ahead of everyone else on the court. So will it be better than last year? You have to say probably not because he's getting older. But I think he's going to – he'll hide any weaknesses he has by just being smarter than the other players out there, if that makes sense. He – after they won the championship, I don't know what age he said it was, but he was saying he would beat the younger version of himself. Do you remember what age – he said it was. No, I don't remember. But anyway, I know what you're saying when you say he's arguably better now because he just, you know, and let's face it, in every sport, some players have the right build of body um, to match the best ever. It's just that the best players ever, it's up. You know, you can't see me right now, but it's it's up here. It's up in the head. It's their motivation, their determination, their his smarts, his basketball IQ. Um, you know, he's calling out the the Raptors plays before they do them. All these things, as you said, LeBron knows how to use his body and his team. And maybe, you know, it was actually a blessing in disguise that Frank Vogel ended up as the Lakers head coach because a, maybe a coach that sort of needs to prove himself because he wasn't the first choice. And he got that Lakers team being so defensive um, orientated that you've got the team and LeBron working back on his defense in this yeah. part of his career. And as you're saying, I totally agree. Like he just, I don't know when he's going to stop. It's because even if he's, 
can't run anymore. He's going to be so smart. I'm sure he'll work even more in his jump shot as he sees that, you know, he's going to have to be more stagnant. But I think in terms of like statistic-wise, like I think AD will probably have the better statistics of the two this year. And LeBron, who averaged 25, 8, and 10 in the regular season and, you know, 28, 11, and 9 in the playoffs, which is incredible for his age, that's going to drop down by one or two points points per game, I reckon. But his assists yeah. might go up now. He's got Wes Matthews in the lineup, who's a better three-point shooter than Green. I Dennis Schroeder as well, who can play with the ball in his hand, but he's a good cutter off the ball. I think now that LeBron's fully committed to this point guard role, even though he's always been a point forward, I think his assist is going to keep climbing, which is the scary thing. Yeah. So I'm glad we finally agreed on one thing because I know we disagreed a lot. <laughs> and it took me how much did I or how much shit did I give you all last season for saying you kept saying Kawhi was better, Kawhi was better. And thank you for finally coming to your senses and realizing. Well, don't 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 hold your breath because we're not done yet. <laughs> anyway, so let's we agree LeBron James is the best player coming into 2021. And he will be the best in 2021. Let's go to the other end of the spectrum or whatever. Uh, number 10. I reckon we say our number 10s and then and then after we say number 10, then we'll say the honorable mentions. Alrighty. All right. Um, so you said LeBron first. I'll go first this time. Number 10, coming into 2021, Nikola Jokic. Okay, okay. I um, have. Oh, you want to you want to talk about him? You go first. You go. I'll, no, you know. No, you go. I had, and this was tough. And I even spoke to you about it. Like, I can't split like four players. And at the end of the day, the uh, the green in me was like, I've got to go with him. And my tenth player is Jason Tatum. I'm just looking at it now, like because I can see I can see Jack's list. You can't see mine, but I'm trying not to look. But I'm just looking, and I've just seen you've got Tatum. <laughs> my boy. Oh, I've got to put some God. green in there. Oh, Tommy Heinsohn is alive and well. He lives in you. <laughs> I wish, mate. If I could be as uh, one-sided as he was, I'd be a happier man. Anyway, I've got Jokic at 10 because, as I mentioned before, my criteria always, which has spilled over into this list, is playoff performance, which he is great at, and I look a lot at peak of their power and defense. And he's not really circumstantial because, oh, circumstantial negative, even though this might seem negative, because he seems to be in the best sort of form of his life the way he finished the playoffs. And he's only still mid-20s, I think. He's young. Yeah. Deceivingly young. It's because he, you know, I think anyone from Eastern Europe looks like they're when they're born, they look about 40. <laughs> So all those things that I just said sounded like, oh, my gosh, he's so high. But I've got him at number 10 because I do not believe in his defense and I don't believe that he just simply just, just a couple of things that he misses, even though he's good at so many other things and so good at them, his defense and his lack of mobility – even though it doesn't seem like much of a problem, it just, I wouldn't be banking on it if I was choosing out of this top 10 and that's why I've got Jokic at 10. 
I'm not going to list off many stats. I'm never the stats guy, but <laughs> that's my reason for having Jokic at 10. Well, I mean, I don't want to go into where I've got Jokic, mm. but I I think he's, he's not – I think he's unfairly criticized as being a bad defender, and I think a lot of big white guys are just pigeonholed into that category. I think he's – yeah, he's slow on his feet, but he'll guard big man's well be, or big men well because – He's so good positionally. When he's in the pick and roll, he struggles a bit. But he's very good at tr- finding that awkward position where he's either up or back. And, you know, so many guards will come off screens. And this is where Jamal Murray dominated in the playoffs when, you know, Montrez Harrell would do drop coverage and sit way too far back and Murray would just shoot over and over and over again. Jokic gets in this awkward position where he's not up but not back and he's sort of in between. And a lot of offensive players seem lost in that. They don't know how to attack it. And, yeah, when he's isolated on an island with someone, you know, a a quick guard, for example, or, you know, a talented wing, he'll look extra slow then. But I think positionally he's really talented and I think he gets overlooked defensively. Yeah. Fair assessment. Give me your uh, number 10. So, Tatum, tell me about why he's number 10. This was tough for me because, like I mentioned, I had Donovan Mitchell, Jimmy Butler, who his stock right now is as high as it's ever been, just carried Miami to the finals. Um, and Damian Lillard, those three were – it was half, hard to split them. And the reason I went Tatum was because we know that – I mean, Mitchell's you know, similar age as Tatum anyway, but Butler and Lillard, I think we know what they're going to bring. Whereas Tatum now, he's shown already this season that he's elite. He's a great young player. He's – exceptional defensively. He's even better offensively. But the way he's ramped it up the last season, so he was good his rookie year, second year with Kyrie, everything sort of went to shit and didn't really didn't grow that much. And this year just took it to a whole another level. As each month of the season went by, he got better and better. He had those games before the um, All-Star break, just, af- just after he got announced as an All-Star and he had – 41, I think, against the Clippers and then 40 against the Lakers or something like that. Yeah. Like, it's just coming and I can see it coming. And then the major criticism of his game was he wasn't passing the ball that well and he's not a good facilitator. And over the last 12 games of his season, he averaged six assists per game. The playoffs, he was averaging five assists per game when the defense is locking in on him. He's working out how to pass out of the double team and I think this is just the beginning. And it's a risky... It's a risky pick because he wasn't in the top 10 players last year, but I think this season he's really going to cement himself in that position. Well, that's good. That's good uh, circumstantial thinking. I like that because, yes, Tatum, I mean, if you look at all these players, I know you spend a long time in most sports, including basketball, but you look at all these players and I'm not sure about yours, but... All of them are starting the tail, at least starting the tail end of their careers. And so in terms of thinking, because there's always going to be a kid that is fitting into that group. And I'm happy for you to say, because Tatum is one of those that is going to be one of the top five players, I would imagine, the way it's trending um, in the league for when, you know, your LeBron's KD, uh, Kawhi and all that hard and finish up. So, honourable mentions, you mentioned them before. Do you want to just go through them quickly again? Well, Donovan Mitchell, 
unbelievable playoffs. Um, he was a bit down in the regular season compared to what I expected, but we saw in that first round, especially like he was unbelievable. Um, Jimmy Butler, this was tough for me because he just had one of the you know two most incredible finals games I've seen. But at the end of the day, he doesn't do enough during the regular season to elevate him to the top 10 for me. And then in the playoffs, he was incredible during the finals, but for the first three rounds, he was good. And I think, you know, Bam was exceptional and um, Dragic as well was phenomenal. Those three were, it was very much like spearheaded by those three equally. And it wasn't a, you know, 2018 LeBron carry job like we saw when he was at the Cavs, just winning games single-handedly. And for some reason, uh, it's probably because, you know, Bam and Dragic got ing- injured and Butler had those two 40-point games and everyone's like, oh, he's incredible. But it's like, I think that was him playing at the very, very best, but we've seen for the last, you know, six years, he's been pretty consistent and I don't think he's going to vary from that all that much. Yep. Um, then I had Lillard. We know what he can do. Points off because I just know he's not the greatest defender. Um, but he... I think he plays at his best when he's being undervalued. So maybe when he listens to this podcast, uh, inevitably, maybe it'll help him. And then I had Carl Anthony Towns, who I think is definitely a top 10 talent, but just hasn't provided the wins yet. And then lastly, Embiid. And I know he'll be in your top 10, of course. But, <laughs> and I think same with Carl Anthony Towns. He's a top 10 talent, but until I see him running out four quarters and not being a liability at the end of games, which he's done so often, I can't put him in there. There's, before I say it, there's uh, two of those honourable mentions of yours that are in my top 10. Um, and one has to so, be made, surely. Oh, I'm not going to give it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Now, so number 10 for me was Jokic. Honourable mentions, Damian Lillard, all the same things you said. He does so much. But at the same time, he has the capability to go missing. Yeah, when when I say missing, I don't mean like um, Aaron Aflalo missing. <laughs> <laughs> I mean I mean missing for a guy that uh, carries the team, and it's just you can't afford that on your, for example, your Harden teams and your your Lillard teams. I know that there is some nice pieces, but defensively, obviously, a bit of a liability. Um, not that he doesn't try. It's just that, yeah, small guard obviously in the playoffs is tough. And, yeah, I hope that Lillard can be in my top 10 eventually. I'm sure he will be. Next one. This might surprise you. Luka Doncic. Oh, number nine. Honorable, honorable mention. Oh, no, on, I honorable you were mention. jumping into it. My God. No. Oh, my no, God. He's not in my top oh, 10. After all the time I spent convincing you how good he was, I you've know. done this to me. And I'm still, I am convinced. I'm very convinced on Luca. However, are you serious? That, yeah. Oh my that, god, he is bad defensively. No, bad. he's not. Like, yeah, he that is. That is the biggest misconception. I'm so sick of hearing people say that. No, nah, he is bad defensively. He is slow. He is bulky, whatever you want to call it. All the things that it's so weird that he does on offense because he just. He just pulls it off somehow with his frame. You see that he doesn't have that magic on defense. He just – anyway, 
<laughs> oh, Nate, that has just broken my heart. Luca will be, obvious. he may win an MVP, but right now there is players that aren't two-way in my top ten. There's not many, but there are two non-two-way players. But you have to have done some serious shit or you have to have some – you have to be some a real stature of a guy to be in my top ten and be really bad on defense, um, even moving into this season. So, Luca, honorable mention. <laughs> oh, that breaks my heart. That and also, my heart. I didn't, I didn't give an honorable mention to Mitchell or Cat, who are not in my top ten, because I don't know. I just think Mitchell's not there yet. Mitchell was great in the playoffs, but he, um, he's not good on. I mean, he has improved, but he's not great as a playmaker. And he, during many games, he will miss. You know, he's just the yeah. scorer, and yeah. then and then he will miss. So Mitchell doesn't get in there for me. And Cat, yes, he's improved, but that defense, again, that defense <laughs> doesn't get it. So my third player, he's a bad defender. Luka Doncic is not a bad defender. I will take Luka, that to my grave. PG is my third honorable mention. <laughs> I didn't even put him in my honorable mentions. <laughs> uh, I forgot about him. <laughs> this time last year, I honestly had him. I think fourth, number four. Because of you know he finished as a top three MVP finalist. He put out a thirst trap, and so many people <laughs> fell for it. And that's what I thought he was going to do with the Clippers this season. He falls out of the top ten circumstantially for me, and probably even um, best peak of their abilities. Oh, maybe, I don't know. But anyway, honorable mention: Lillard, Luca, PG for me. Sorry, guys, you're not in the the top ten. Do you want to say your number nine? I can. Uh, my number nine, who we've just spoken about, is uh, Nikola Jokic. Mm-hmm. So pretty similar to what you had, um, you know, 10 and 9, more or less the same. 20, 10 and 7 during the regular season, which he you know he came off to a slow start, um, improved as each month went on, but in the playoffs instantly. His assists were down, but that really was an issue once they started. You know, it was quite obvious they were playing a two-man game between him and Murray, so the assist didn't need to be there. 24 points, 10, uh, 10 rebounds. There was that game, was it game three? Yeah, game three against um, the Lakers where AD hit yeah. that game winner. Yeah. And Jokic had 11 straight points down the, down the stretch. And somehow you look at these YouTube compilations of his game winners and they're all so ugly. And it was the same thing that game. He just scores the ugliest points, but he makes it work somehow. He'll get into the lane and put up this awful float and it'll go in. He just doesn't seem to miss when it matters. He elevates his teammates and that's such an important thing in the NBA and I think of the guys in the top 10 he might be the one that elevates his teammates the most other than LeBron for me and that's well it is yeah I sorry. Just, no that's all right. I was just you know just trying to think about who else I had in the top 10 that also does that but Jokic is just his ability to get everyone involved to keep the defense honest to find mismatches, to find any weakness in a zone or a man defense, he sees it, and I think he doesn't get enough credit for that. It's uh, sort of convenient that you had Jokic at nine because I had another center at nine, and it's a bit of a debate itself in NBA internet, in NBA Twitter. I had Jokic at 10, and at nine I've got Joel Embiid. The, the, I'm sure everyone's familiar with him. He's the... Best center in the league. Oh, God, here we go. 
<laughs> well, okay. So circumstantially, I, I've i put Embiid at nine. You would be like, wouldn't you say, you know, going with the times, Embiid has dropped out of the top 10. I put Embiid at nine because of the drop. I, I think I'd put him somewhere in the top six or seven if it wasn't for this front office and and Al Horford that we had in the last few seasons. I think coming into this season, finally back to what Philadelphia need, the shooters stretching the floor, Embiid seems motivated, but it's more about what he's got around him. I think it'll be time that he will cement his place as the best center in the league. Of course, he's not as good a passer as Jokic, but I think he trumps him in all other ways. Maybe Jokic has got a bit of a higher shooting percentage from three, but I'm happy to settle for that. Not biased. Maybe it is, and I just don't know. <laughs> Slight bias. But I, I'm i always Embiid is better than Jokic, but they, they're... They're two bigger things that they sort of argue about, people argue about or whatever, yeah. are different. Jokic is a better playmaker and, as you said, can elevate his team more, whereas Joel Embiid is more your traditional. He will score, even though Jokic will score as well in the playoffs, which I'm very impressed by. Embiid in his last serious playoffs, which is 2019, mm-hmm. where we were – you know, essentially the team that took the champions um, to, to their longer series, Embiid couldn't – I mean, we didn't have a backup center, and so he we couldn't take him off the floor. We lost that series, and he was a plus 40 or something like that for the series. Um, or something, something. Anyway, the yeah. stats were good. Yeah. No, I, I do – I've got Embiid I there. do see Embiid's value, I do. And like I mentioned before, until I can see him run out four quarters of a game, I just can't mm. put him in there. And it's just time and time again. And I think obviously I'm biased as well because I've seen – well, first of all, was because I don't like Philadelphia. But secondly, because yep. I've seen Boston match up with them so many more times than most other teams have. I've seen how Brad Stevens hasn't found it difficult to exploit Embiid's weaknesses. Yeah, And maybe that's where my – you know, higher criticism comes from. And until I see him completely dominate a series where there's nothing for all the other guys in my top 10, yeah, they have their weaknesses, but they can't be exploited. Whereas to me, Embiid still has, and that's the one thing from his game that I think needs to change before I can elevate him to that status. Yeah. And definitely the main exploiting weakness, which Boston have always or especially in that series, not this year, but two years ago, I think it was that they really got him was his turnovers. Mm-hmm. Um, make him, make, of, him know, make plays was there. Yeah, the uh, the, sort of the T-Rex and the Raptors just swarming him, you know, Celtics being the Raptors. Um, <laughs> but I'm looking forward to finally, um, I, I don't know what Ben's going to do, but finally with Seth, Danny Green, and Co standing out on the three-point line. Hopefully, it's just one guy standing with Embiid. And if he's – because he's slowly maturing with his – um, what do you call them? Just passing out of the double. Hopefully, it can all come together this year. The right shooters, the right maturity passing out the double, and quick decision-making has been a floor of his. And once he does these little tweaks – he is the unstoppable uh, monster that you know he calls himself because 
defensively, there isn't a center in the league that can stop him. You really do need to double him. Yeah. All right, moving on. So, number eight, um, I'll go first. Also, I forgot to mention, you're going to hate me for this, I didn't do honorable mentions for Tatum and Tatum's not in my top ten. That's all right. We we live and we learn. We forget. I forgot PG in my honorable mentions, but maybe that's because I don't like him. Maybe he's not, maybe he doesn't deserve a spot. Number eight. All right. And I think both of ours, this is going to start to surprise people. I'm looking at yours. My number eight, Giannis Antetokounmpo. Oh. This man, as many people know, I feel that he's so overrated. I put peak your powers and playoff performance again. And I think at the peak of his powers, if you've just got a great defense, which is sort of my point with Tatum as well, as good as Tatum is, if you've got a good, if you've got a great defense, LeBron and Co, who I won't mention yet, can still do their thing. Just maybe lesser of a 40-point game. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. If you've got a it seems a Miami defense or a 2019 Raptors defense coming from 2-0 down. Giannis is invalid, the two-time reigning MVP. Um, he's a great defender, but that I will not stress enough and forget me being a Philly fan. I cannot stress enough. So many people slam Ben Simmons and make fun of him for his major flaw. Yes, Giannis tries it, and I wish Ben would just try it, but it still doesn't space the floor in the playoffs. No one believes in Giannis's shot. You'll take Giannis shooting threes to lose it. You- if Boston lost the playoff game because Giannis hit five threes, I would take that any day of the week. That's right. Every team. And so his shot is not a thing in the playoffs. And the way he shoots it, I don't believe it's going to become a thing. Maybe I'll have to eat my words. But this no, is why shot, I keep saying. Ugly. Yeah. Um, this is why I keep saying he's overrated. If you're going to be one so one-ended, which I personally think he is, um, mostly just a great defense and transition player. You like Ben. Ben's not even in our honorable mentions. You got to go low in any list, in my opinion. I just think people overrate him because regular season. That's my number eight. What is your number eight? Well, this sort of fits the same bill. Um, players that we've seen perform well in the regular season and disappear in the playoffs. And I have James Harden. And I've defended him on this pod a few times, and I do think he's actually performed quite well in the playoffs numerous times. I don't think he deserves the criticism he gets. He hasn't had the success that he probably should have or could have. (laughs) But it's gotten to the point now where I know what to expect from Harden, and I think teams do as well, and they've worked out. And I think partly is because of the Houston team he's been with. Yeah, they've been really good, but they until Westbrook this year, we had that month before he injured his quad where he was you know, playing some of the best basketball of his life. You just need to let Harden get his own and stop the rest of the team. That's pretty much how you're going to beat the Rockets. And so it's sort of hard for me to rate Harden, but look, at the end of the day, this season he averaged 34.5, 6.5, That is incredible. His defense gets picked on because of that video that went viral in 2016, but he's improved a lot now. He's a much better post defender than anyone gives him credit for. He's in the 99th percentile in the league for post defense or something ridiculous. So he's great down there. And I think that's part of the reason why Houston wanted to go small is because you can put Harden on power forwards and he can hold his own. Um, But I just, like I said, with 
Embiid as well. We, because, and it's different to Embiid because Embiid I've criticised by not being active enough because his fitness. I think Harden's not active enough when he doesn't have the ball in his hands. And I mentioned this recently with with the Nets, you know, how if he does go to Brooklyn, how are they going to work with three guys that can't do anything without the ball in their hands? And that's Harden's biggest weakness, and I think that's what keeps him, you know, from being a top two player in the league. Let's just – are you done, yeah. Harden? Um, let's just, like, not waste people's time here. So looking at our two lists, you've got Harden at eight. I had Giannis, and now I've got Harden at seven, <laughs> and you've got Giannis yeah. at seven. Um, if you want to say a quick word on Giannis, you can, and then I reckon we get straight into because I reckon there's some juicy talking after you talk about Giannis being your seven. Well, uh, my main comment I had for Giannis is we've got to stop underrating him, and <laughs> it's like it's I'm just getting to the point now where it's frustrating because. Why do we demand playoff success so early for young players? And I just, I, I, I do it as well. But at the end of the day, Giannis is how old? Like 26? He's been a good player in the league for like four years. How many players win, like, as, win a finals MVP in their like first four years of actually being a productive player in the league? Like at the end of the day, he averaged 30, 14, and 6 in the regular season, one defensive player of the year, had one of the best seasons of all time. And didn't perform as well as he should have in the playoffs. But like I've been saying, when there's a flaw in the game, you can be found out. And he was found out once again in the playoffs. He's a jump. When you, yep. So when you say we got to stop underrating him, so you've got him at seven, I've got him at eight, yeah. which is actually so surprising. We're so similar here. Um, we're not the uh, – well, you didn't have to underrate him, <laughs> number well, one. No, but I think though – so, you know, it's – it is tough, but seven is incredible. Seven, if you're all the top seven player in the world, that is incredible. But so many players are like, well, not so many players, so many people in the media, so many people on Twitter, on Reddit, wherever you're looking for your information, they just say, oh, Giannis is trash and they're not appreciating what he's doing. Is That, that makes sense? Uh, like not yeah. underrating, I was but gonna- underappreciating to be a better way of looking at it. Yeah, but I was going to say the opposite. I would say, like, I barely ever see anything other than Giannis is a top three player in the league. Um, and circumstantial, chuck that out the door. For me, he's, this is about where he is. Um, and so, yeah, I guess you might be seeing other mediums of media. Um, but um, seven is good and high for him. I think you're right in saying it. The the media, ESPN, and whatever power rankings or whatever the bullshit is that put Giannis in the top three and he wins the MVP and they get these 60 win seasons, um, that's where I think he's overrated. And I think we're doing him the favor and whatever the favor by putting him where he should be, which is seven and eight. Poor Giannis. He- <laughs> <laughs> We're overcritical. He's all right. I like him. He's a good player. <laughs> so just, just quickly how on- to shoot Giannis and then I'll be happy. That's right. Um, uh, just on James Harden, um, just on James Harden, I haven't had, had him at seven. As you talked about like crazy, uh, I do not like his, you know, 
non-off-ball movement in the playoffs and just how in the playoffs he he yes he gets doubled from half court but I've said it before I do not like how he, in the regular season he's very happy to take 30 shots and get you know make 12 of them and get 45 points but in the playoffs that seems to stop the selfishness seems to stop when it actually seems like that's what's needed to win the mm. game um, talked about it before, but Giannis and Harden, our seven and eight, it's nice. Let's get on to what I can see is some juicy forecast. forecast. Um, number six, I'm going to say mine, Stephen Curry. Ooh. And then I look over to yours, and who have you got over at number six? The old wonder boy, Luka Doncic. <laughs> so let me ask you now. Looking at this six and oh, you're gonna hate my <laughs> anyway. Number six, Doncic. Do you think that Doncic, who I don't have in my top ten, is? I mean, obviously you do. Do you think that Doncic is better than Harden, who you've got? Yeah, Harden this season. Is- I'm saying he's gonna have a better season because they're. I mean, we've discussed this before. They are very similar players. Wow. Including the lack of defense, but Harden's <laughs> improved. Um, I've got the perfect video. I can't wait for this podcast ending because I've got a video of his of um, Luca in Game Three of the first round against the Clippers, where he hit that game winner, and it's just a video of his defense, and he's just so wary, and so his hands are active, and <laughs> I'm, he's a good defender. Well, I've got to go after this. <laughs> Anyway, so we're at number six. I've got Seth Curry, which is, you know, I'm starting to, you know, get to the home stretch and talk about my best players in the league, you'd sort of say. You've got Luca above Giannis and Harden, but especially Harden for me because I would just say that Harden is the better version of Luca. Not exactly, of course, but right now and even moving into this season, that's the case. Tell me about why you have Luka Doncic at number six. So he's a second-year player, and I should get his stats up from his transition from his first and his second year. So his first year in the league, he averaged 21, seven and a half rebounds and six assists. This year, he's increased his points per game by 7.6. He's at 28.8 points per game. His rebounds are gone up by one and a half to 9.4, and his assists are gone up by 2.8 to 8.8. 28.8, 9.4, and 8.8 for a second-year player at 20 years old. That are some of the best statistics we've ever seen. He's elite at getting to his spots. His th- like my only criticism is he chucks up too many threes. He's a great three-point shooter, but his percentages don't show that because he takes way too many step backs. He chucks them up. But I also think that's a, a fatigue issue where it's him, you know, crossing over someone and getting downhill and pump faking and taking contact and scoring is just so much more effort than a step back three. And I think that'll change eventually. But those are some incredible statistics. And then he got even better in the playoffs. His first year ever in the playoffs, he had what six games, 31 points of a game, 9.8 rebounds, 8.7 assists while injured, including a game winner, good defense, that is absurd. Like that is genuinely incredible for a twenty-year-old. And if he's the way he's improved from his first and second year, if he, you know, if that goes up by what fifty percent, 
instead of averaging eight more points per game, he does, you know, averages four more. He's already at 32 points per game sort of thing. He's just, he's got it all. I'm so high on this kid and he's going to win multiple MVPs. And I reckon, I honestly think this year, going into this season, he's probably top three MVP candidate. Wow. Yeah. And it, Boom. But that's partly though, like that's it's just the way MVP works. You can almost rule out yeah, Giannis because right. of voter fatigue. You yeah. can rule out LeBron and AD because they're playing with each other. Luca's in the perfect situation where Pozingas isn't going to get any of the credit despite averaging, you know, 20 and 8 and a few assists. It's all going to be the attention to me on Luca, and I think it's the perfect recipe for, you know, a young MVP. So, because I was going to cut you off and being like, you're still not convincing me about why he's better than Harden, but you think because uh, – sorry, com- better than Harden talking circumstantially because you kept saying second year, it's amazing, but I'm not too fast about second year. I'm to- I am want to know about the year coming and you've just answered that. He's going to improve. You, you reckon he's going to improve by like a good uh, – uh, a noticeable amount again. Well, even if it's a small amount. Even if it's th- two points per game, three points per game, that cracks 30. Mm. And like ultimately, so when, for example, and this I don't think this will happen, but hypothetically if it does, when Westbrook averaged a triple-double for a year, Harden was undoubtedly better, but because Westbrook averaged a triple-double, everyone had to give him the MVP. Yeah. Luka Doncic is... Half a rebound a game and one, 1.2 assists away from a 30-point triple-double average, more or less. If he does that, and that's like to say someone does that when they're averaging 33 minutes per game, it's not, and he's only 20 years old, it's not that hard to fathom how he doesn't <laughs> average a 30-point triple-double next year. He's only 20 years old. Are you used to saying that because of Tatum? Tatum's only 19, mate. <laughs> Is he actually still only 19? No, he's like 22 now. No. Yeah, Jesus. But that's the thing. Like, oh. There is genuinely room for growth there. He'll play more minutes as he gets into better shape. If he can average a 30-point triple-double, he will win the MVP. Whoa. I'm not sure how hot that take is, but I feel like it's very, very warm. Sweating in here. Um, so you would probably, I know you would because you love him. You would probably say that my Stephen Curry at six is low. Definitely. I just want to say a disclaimer. I came to this conclusion recently within myself. Stephen Curry is my favorite player in the NBA. Really? He's actually, yeah, he is. I've considered getting a Steph Curry jersey because I love him that much. It might be sad at Warriors, blah, 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 and I've got to watch out for people thinking I'm a casual, but you can't lie to yourself. He's my favorite player to watch. He's so exciting. He's so and I'm still I'm still pissed off at Kevin Durant for making those Warriors teams like unbearable (laughs) to watch. Yeah. Um. So I love Steph Curry. However, as I've alluded to before, his defense, and we've argued about this before actually, but his defense just puts him where he is on this list for me. And that would probably hover around the sixth number on any list, even if peak of their powers. He's so great. You know, I mentioned before, there's not many um, one 
side of the ball uh, players in my top 10, but he's basically the last one left I've got here at six because he's so good on offense and people may say James Harden's the best offensive player ever, which some people already say, but I just think that Steph, there's also a factor of the playoff performance and I believe more in Steph's. I know he's, I know he's had, you know, people around him, but I believe more in Steph's than Harden's. Yeah, you don't need to keep going on about Steph, but in terms of why he's at six, in terms of lowness, it's because of that defense. I can't look past that easy-to-target-him defense. Um, and, of course, on, on how high he is, the offense is sensational. For how small and weak he is, that's a pretty high ranking. You know, he must have something awesome offensively. And, of course, he's the best shooter ever. He's one of the best... Some people would say the best uh, player to ever handle the ball, um, if not Kyrie Irving. Don't get me started. Um, I've had that debate with a few people before, and I think <laughs> Steph's handles are overrated. Oh, jeez! Yeah. And I can go into depth Whoa. if you want me to, but I'm sure we'll save that for another pod. Save it for another pod. No, no, no. I think Kyrie Irving's a better dribbler than Steph, but I, I, I reckon Steph's handles are all time. Not on a what tricks he can do at the magic show. It's just that he, you know, the Steph like move, you know, you know, the, the things he does to glide around the players. What I, um, anyway, I just want to simply say one thing. I think the reason people think his handle is so good is because his shot is so good. You have to be because so it, close to him that it makes the, def- the, the defender in a more vulnerable position to be crossed. Okay, and that's why I've always discredited Steph's handles a bit more than other people do because I know how when you, when you're on a good shooter and you can't give them any space, it makes it so much harder to operate. Yeah, I think that. I mean, not that I've grew up watching it or anything, but from what I've seen, I reckon Allen Iverson's a better handle than Steph. Um, Kyrie, Tim Hardaway, Allen Iverson, Jamal Crawford are all above him. Yeah. Um, but very similar to the way Jamal Crawford moves is how I would categorize Steph's type of dribbling. Um, anyway, I love Steph Curry, but unfortunately his defense put, has me put him at six. Give me your number five, which I hate to look at. Kawhi Leonard. Because Kawhi <laughs> not. <laughs> look, and I don't know really, like he's so hard to rate because, I mean, I know it's supposed to be going into next season, but you can't help but sort of factor in what you've seen in the past. And I think that's just inevitable. And I don't, I'm not going to incorporate the second round of the playoffs where they crumble because at the end of the day, he still had a great playoffs where he averaged 28 points per game, nine rebounds, five assists. And then over the regular season was 27, seven and five, which are great numbers. His defense isn't as good as it used to be, but he's conserving his energy and it probably is more beneficial for him to conserve his energy and just play good offense. But it's just the fact that the guys I have above him, I trust them to win me a playoff game more than Kawhi Leonard. I think in Kawhi's time in the league, he's had one good playoff run where he's actually <laughs> dominated completely. He had that one in 2017 where he was doing good things and then he injured his ankle, so he didn't really get to see the full force of it. 
God, he was good then. He was incredible that run, but we didn't really get to see what he could offer. Damn Zaza. <laughs> Bloody Zaza. And like he was on a 67-win team, so it was like how much of this is Kawhi himself and he's got you know a great supporting cast. The 2019 Kawhi dominated. Can't discredit anything he's done. But I think part of the reason why I've got him here at five is that he doesn't really elevate himself or others that much. Kawhi is very consistent. His points per game isn't ever going to drop. You know, he's not going to have many games of 15 points per game, whereas some people in the, in the who I've got higher might do that. But he's also not going to get you the 45 points per game. He's consistent. He gets the job done. But to be the best player in the league, I think you've got to have that ability to completely elevate as well as elevating your teammates, which I don't think he really does. He's an isolation scorer. He gets to his spots. That's fine. You know, that's there's value for that in the league and Kawhi is invaluable. But when you're not really elevating your teammates like the guy that I have above him, it's hard for me to go above five. I do totally understand where you're coming from with Kawhi, but I do not have him at number five. I've got a guy who was in your honourable mentions at number five. The fuck? Jimmy Butler. <laughs> Here we go. Number five. Above Stephen Curry, above James Harden, above Giannis, above Jokic and Bede. Jimmy Butler. This is the thing. This is, I know I've said it like four times already. Playoff performance for two years in a row now. He's shown when he's finally on proper contenders and it's time to, it's go time. And he caught, he talked talk and he damn he walked did, the he walk. He did walk the walk. He did. He, and that's my main measuring stick the playoffs and the peak of your powers. And of course, his peak of his powers comes in the playoffs or the fourth quarters. Those poor performance in the finals, I don't know why, and it's similar talking. You know, you talk about, apart from playmaking, I reckon Kawhi's biggest flaw, especially that we've seen over the years and especially last year, is that he's in his head. You know, he's he doesn't seem like he'll die for it. You know, I don't know, sometimes he just looks like Kawhi sometimes going through the motions. Butler's a maniac out there. He'll Yeah, and Butler... For the whole season, and as you said, for the first three rounds of the playoffs, will be like, uh, and he loves, he seems to really keep talking himself into this whole, I'm going to be the facilitator, not necessarily the guy until I need to be. And that's such a weird thing to say. And you sort of think, what do you mean? Shut up. But then when he walks the walk, as he did in the playoffs, peak of, uh, sorry, Coming into this season, yes, he may do it all exactly the same and when it matters most, he's going to do what he needs to do. And I thought that the two uh, triple-doubles, I think it was, were they both 40-point triple-doubles in the finals? Oh, I think so. Maybe one was nine assists or something. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, well, anyway, I thought that those were a good enough sample size. Uh, sorry, and he's done it. Over the years, he done it for Philly in 2019 as well. He was putting Philly on his back in the fourth quarters because we didn't have a perimeter shot creator. And even with all the clogging of Harris, Embiid, and Simmons, he still found a way to get fouled um, and, again, took Philly so far in that series. Jimmy Butler, what he has done when it matters most is why I have him at number five. 
he can do it on offense, even if it is ugly, and he definitely can do it on defense, and you can never question his mentality anymore. He's proven it. Good on him, Jimmy Butler. Any quick thoughts on Jimmy being number five? I think, and I I don't know if I actually ended up saying it, but I've I've felt for a while now that Jimmy's a he's the hardest person to rate in the league, I reckon, at the moment. Because you'll have games yeah. where he just does nothing. But, you know, he'll, he'll finish a game with 11-3-5 and five, and his teammates will be like, Jimmy Butler won us the game. And you're like, no, I watched it. He did nothing. And then you watch it back again. It's like, oh, shit. Yeah, he was everywhere tonight. And I don't know. He's, he's so tricky to value. And maybe I'm getting too focused on what he brings to the box score. But I feel like I try and ignore that for Jimmy. But I can't blame you for putting him at five. His finals, like, you know, the way he played in the finals is a top five player performance. I personally just want to see it over the 82 or 72 now regular season games and the first three rounds of the playoffs. Yeah, and I totally understand that as well. So tricky to put him into place. That's right. Um, Number four, I'll say mine. Yep. As I uh, told you off air uh, when trying to give you the example, Kevin Durant. Now, general top 10 list, Kevin Durant is the second best player, peak of the powers, blah, blah. Second best player in, in the league now. I had Kawhi at like one at the start of last season and then LeBron, KD. But now it's LeBron and KD. Uh, sorry, yeah, LeBron and KD, general top 10 list. But I think that this time off... And his age, which is uh, 32 yeah. currently. He's currently 32. Coming off an Achilles, we don't – it is a bit of a, the unknown, but I'm putting him at four because you alluded it, alluded to it um, recently on a podcast. The defensive factor, and especially because he's best buds with Kyrie now, I'm interested to see <laughs> – what he's going to – his care factor, his um, lateral movement on defense and all these uh, sort of factors are. And I guess even a bit of offense, what does post-Achilles Kevin, 32-year-old Kevin Durant look like coming in and I'm putting him at four circumstantially? My number four was Anthony Davis. Yep. Um, and AD is another tricky one because his stats were incredible through the whole playoff run. He had the most points in the playoffs. But it's tricky because so many of his points are generated by LeBron's facilitating. Um, but then you watch him when he has the ball in his hands. And I've written here that it reminds me of prime Kevin Garnett. Um, and I think Kevin Garnett in his prime was a whole – yeah, he was a level ahead of where AD is now because KG was just phenomenal. But it's the awkward imbalance of he's too quick and too skilled to put a big man on him, or a traditional big man, I should say, but he's too t- tall and too strong to put a wing on him. And in that way, he's just always going to get his own, and especially with the way the league's trending now where centers are becoming less and less valuable. Having Anthony Davis out there just to counter whatever the, oppo- the opposition is going to throw at them, so, like, you know, before Clay Thompson went down, for example, and everyone thought, you know, the Warriors are going to be up there in the West. If you if you match up the Lakers and the Warriors and you've got Anthony Davis there, Draymond Green might hold him to 35 points per game. 
You know what I mean? Like he just yeah. is such a mismatch that he's just going to get his own. I think his numbers are going to show up this year. Uh, I think coming off a championship, he's going to be firing. LeBron's going to want to rest. He's going to facilitate and, you know, deflect to AD and he's going to have probably the best year of his career. Before you say your uh, number three, I'll just say, you know, again, not to repeat too much, I've got AD at three, uh, which might so- – which might surprise you and if you can work out who my number two is. But I've got AD at three. I nearly put AD at two, which would hurt my purple and gold blindness uh, or repellent eyes. (laughs) (laughs) But I nearly put AD at two and I probably feel like I should because, um, because, yeah, like circumstantially, what are LeBron and AD right now? Are they not with KD coming off the injury and Kawhi having such a shit end to the season? Are they not sort of the two best players in the league? Um, you know what I'm yeah. saying? To take Taking into account the KD-Kawhi thing. But, yes, I had AD at three. You said it all. He's amazing. Um, very scary to think that, you know, the Lakers have got Montrez and Marcus Ole there just to have some, even if it doesn't work out, just, just a talent. I think the, um, the one thing that's sort of limiting AD is what Jokic brings, and that's running the point. If Davis got to that, and he probably won't ever do this, but if he had you know got the ability to dribble the ball up the court and run the offense himself, he would truly be unstoppable and the best player in the league, I think. Yeah, and he, I mean, let's be honest, he'd be, if, if, if this, that's a guy who can do everything, yeah. Then you start talking about other debates as well. And I think, though, if LeBron said he's going to cruise to begin the year, and you know he's obviously going to say things like that right now, and who knows if he actually will. But this is the perfect opportunity for Davis to run the offense. And that's always been his weakness when he was in like New Orleans when they didn't have a facilitator to get him the ball in good positions. It was easy for Davis to go lost in games where you just either double-team him or front him so you couldn't get that entry pass to him. But now he's got LeBron in his role and you know, take the alley-oop. But if he could add that to his game, which I've got a feeling this year he might, not at an elite level, but at a level where it throws out defenses completely, I think Davis is in for a big year. While all things have seemed to, in terms of trade and free agency, while all things have seemed to hit their peak and all this chaotic movements happening, happening, AD has still, same as Giannis, but AD has still yet to sign his contract with the Lakers. Apparently, the reports are could come as soon as tomorrow. It'll be interesting to see. It's obviously going to be Max. Yeah. Be interesting to see how many years he chooses and if he, you know, makes sure that a player option gets added. So, we'll wait to see that on AD. That was my number three. Who's your number three? I've got the great Stephen Curry. What a man. So you mentioned it, one of the most fun players to watch in the league. And I think now that Clay Thompson's out, Curry's going to have so much fun on offense this year. Um, 2016 was his best season. He averaged 35 and 7 in only 34 minutes per game. This year, What a season that was. This year, his minutes per game is going to be high because they don't have the depth on the bench. He doesn't have to facilitate as much because Clay's gone. He's been... Been playing second fiddle to KD for a while now. KD's out the window. Curry's had a year off to get healthy. He's going to be chucking up threes. 
it's going to be watching like the way Trey Young played this year where it was like, do whatever you want and we'll be fine. We don't want to win. This year, it's like Curry's going to be like, I'm going to do whatever I want because we want to win and this is the best way we can do it. He's going to be averaging like, what, 10 threes a game, I reckon, if not more. He's going to be chucking on for everywhere. He's going to be taking guys off the dribble. It's going to be good to watch. And you mentioned his defensive impact. I don't think he's as bad as you give like, – you're quite critical of him. But if you go from his second year in the league to 2018, 2019, he didn't have a negative box uh, defensive box plus minus. He was either neutral or slightly above average. And I think as long as he can hold his own, that's fine by me. It's all you want as a point guard. Funnel the defense into your defensive center. And I think Curry, especially statistically, is going to have a phenomenal year because he's going to be doing – he's going to be putting on a show. That's all I can think of it. Like he'll just be having fun out there. Two questions before we move on from your Curry because obviously I had him at six and you mentioned the whole defensive thing. Does it not kill you that the the defensive factor, for example, AD below Curry for you? I think Curry's offense outweighs AD's defense. And I think the, the best way to almost explain it, I saw this quote in 2016. I can't remember who said it now. It was when Curry won his second MVP and someone compared him to Shaq. And they were like, Shaq was so big and strong that he broke defenses. Whereas Curry's such a good shooter and he's so good at moving off ball that he stretches defenses until they break. And w- yeah. when you've got – and like, there's that fo- the footage of um, Durant in the finals and J.R. Smith and LeBron are running back and they just both go to Curry and Durant takes the open lane and dunks it. Like – Defenses are genuinely scared of letting Curry out of their sight. They have three guys watching him at a time. And it might change this year where he's got, you know, no Durant and no Clay Thompson with his running mates. Maybe they'll just play him one up and let him score and, you know, let everyone else try and beat them. But I just think this year he's going to have all the attention. He's going to be just having fun with the ball and he'll be averaging 30 points a game, I think. That leads me to my second question just quickly. Um, how often does Curry cop the double this, this season? Regular. It depends what how they fill out the rest of their roster. Like they've got Oubre and Wiggins at the moment. If I was a coach, and this is like without seeing any footage, I would probably say play Steph straight up and just defend your man and Steph's going to have his 33, but no one else is going to score. And then towards end of games, if it's closed, then you might throw the double at Curry and try and make Andrew, like force Andrew Wiggins to make a play. No Nick Nurse box and ones. <laughs> I love watching box and ones, so fingers <laughs> crossed. All right. So finally, we already did one, LeBron. So number two, you probably worked out who I've got by now. I have the mighty Kawhi Leonard um, above AD, which was hard to do, and above KD, KD circumstantial. Even even with all the things that happened, I just feel like Hawaii, because KD's dropped there, and yes, it was hard not to put AD, but I just can't go past. You still haven't – I don't know if you spent actual time trying to talk me out of Kawhi, but I'm still not off Kawhi, off the Kawhi bandwagon. He is a wing. Yes, he doesn't play make, but he is a wing – scorer that can score no matter who's on him, literally no matter who's on him. 
um, if he is just motivated and God, I wish he was a bit more vocal and stuff like that, not just playmaking on the court, but, you know, um, as a leader. But in terms of just a basketball player, this guy is just that playmaking element away from like, a, like, you know, some of the best players ever. Yeah. I reckon it's just that, yeah, the the leadership and the playmaking is such a big sort of thing that undercuts him. But I can't go past it. I just can't go past it, and I'm convinced that we are going to see a bit of, in his way, a bit of a redemption Kawhi. You know, there's probably still going to be some load management. <laughs> there'll be, there'll but be no emotion in it either. From I just can't imagine him. Forget PG. I don't believe a word PG says now, <laughs> but I can't imagine Kawhi uh, going for whatever he went in that game seven against the Nuggets or letting any of those double-digit leads drop yeah. again. And I'm excited to see Redemption Kawhi, and I hope that I'm right because just for the sake of he's one of the best players and we want to see him at his peak, that's why I've got him at two. It was hard to put him over AD, but that's what I just think it's, you know, that's what I think's coming. You at two? I've got a quote for you, and this is in 2013, <laughs> and it's very fitting, and it's, I've been second my whole life. I was the second best player in high school. I was the second pick in the draft. I've been second in MVP voting three times and I came second in the finals. I'm tired of being second. I'm done with it. So Kevin Durant, you're number two again in what might be the best list ever created. Um, Look, Durant's a tough one because an Achilles injury is obviously probably the, you know, that'll end careers. It has time and time again. Dominic Wilkins is probably the only player I can think of off the top of my head that's actually come back from it as successful as they were. But every account so far is saying that they've seen Durant training, they've seen him in open gyms, and he's looking as good as he ever has. If that, and I'm basing that on that, I'm basing my judgment on those takes so far. But if he is as good as he was, or even just as as healthy and as athletic, he's going to be going at 30 points per game. So his last season in Golden State, he averaged 26, 6, and 6. He's led the league in scoring four times. He's been over 30 points per game maybe four times. One, two, three. He's he's an elite scorer. Arguably, other than Jordan, he's probably the most Scoring probably comes easier to him than anyone else I've ever seen play. Yeah. And now he's got this chip on his shoulder because he, I don't think he regrets going to Golden State, but he knows how much criticism he's caught for it. And if there's one person that hates criticism, it's Kevin Durant. And now he's won his championships in Golden State. All he wants to do is win one by himself. You know, he'll be with Kyrie. Or hard, but like, as in, like, he'll win one as the main guy where it's his team. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's just Kyrie Irving is just a fucking Kyrie. He's just, he's just Kyrie yeah. Irving is. I mean, I would say the exact same thing you're saying, but I, I can feel that this is going to be a mutual hatred. I don't, I don't actually hate Kyrie, but I don't love him. Um, sorry, no, sorry, I, go on. I just no, love that. No, that's what I'm like. It's Durant's team, and he's the best player. And yeah, Durant yeah. was finals MVPs, but and as I was saying with Curry, it was Curry, Curry's gravity was the most influential part of those Golden State teams. 
And I think Durant knows that. And this is his time. He's got more motivation than ever. If he's as fit as he's ever been, he's going for 30 a night. He'll be passing the ball. His assists kept growing when he was in Golden State. And I don't think he'll average six assists a game because Kyrie's going to play some ISO ball. But he'll be as hungry as ever, and I think he'll be the number two player in the league. Isn't it funny that Kyrie didn't get an honourable mention Fuck from either Kyrie, of us? Man. He won't <laughs> play his 54 games and get injured and complain about something. Anyway, I'll post a graphic on our Bronx Cheer basketball social media pages. Make sure you go check it out. Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. I've recently got my friend Jasper, who also is a um, artist, a music artist, and his uh, sort of stage name is Synth Soldier. So go check out Jasper. He's just redone our logo. I don't know if you saw that, JL. I did see it. It looked good. Yeah, because basically- It looked cleaner. Just. Yeah, Jasper and I didn't think through the sort of the little thumbnails that come up on the socials. You can't see the word basketball. Um, and so, yeah. And we also got a secondary logo, which I'll have to Ooh. send to you, and it'll be good for merch it'll be, versatility. It'll be good for alternate jerseys. Yeah, that's right. So just before we, you know, pull the plug, just read out from 10 to 1 your Top 10 coming into 2021. Well, I also remembered I've got one more take to throw out there as well. So I'll read mine again sure. and then I'm mm-hmm. going to say my take. So I had from 10 to 1, Tatum, Jokic, Harden, Giannis, Luka, Kawhi, Davis, Curry, Durant, and LeBron. But my hot take, and this is not a hot take because this has happened every year and I can't wait to replay this audio. By the end of the season, there will be someone that's – and I'm doing air quotes right now, you can't see me, but there'll be someone that's better than LeBron and LeBron will upstage him in the playoffs. <laughs> and that is my hot take. All right. All right. I'll give you that. All right. And I'll, I'll try and come up with one right this moment. My 10 were 10, Nicole Jokic, 9, Embiid, 8, Giannis, 7, Harden, 6, Curry, 5, Butler, 4, Durant, 3, AD, 2, Leonard, and one LeBron James. My hot take is that... Actually, you can give me... A, I'll, I'll ask you a question for the hot take. Yep. Going into the 2021-2022 season, who's out of that top 10? All right. Love it. Um, who's out of this yeah. top 10 going... To- <sighs> Shit. Because that's the that's how I always try and do my top tens is who's getting bumped out for who, who's taking someone's place, and that was like last year I would have had Paul George and I wouldn't have had Tatum, and that's an easy swap for me. You, you know what? Like I hate to sort of um, spring my own trap or whatever the crap is. Um, I, th- I think there's a very big chance that Giannis, uh, sorry, Jimmy Butler. Yeah. Jimmy Butler, even though I've got him at five, you know, we talk about, you know how he doesn't try until he needs to? Um, There's been seasons, like with any, he may, they, he may not get to try. <laughs> so we'll go the whole season without seeing talk the talk, <laughs> uh, sorry, walk the walk Jimmy yeah. because he's, because cause he's just, ta- you know, he's just chilled. He's like, all right, I'll, I'll start trying when we need. And they're like, 
they just happen to get bounced so quickly in the playoffs um, before he starts to put it on or he has an injury or something like that. I'm just going to play it safe and say Jimmy, and I'll even say, I'll say Giannis for me. (laughs) (laughs) The 25-year-old's going to get worse. (laughs) No, he's not going to get worse, but you got to also think about, like, for me, Luca's not in there. I'm going to try and put Luca in there by next year, which I think will probably happen. I don't think Jokic is going to drop out of there, Um, and who knows what Lillard's going to do in my point of view. So I'll say maybe Giannis, probably not, but... I think if anyone, Jimmy, because yeah, there's a chance. What about you? Um, from my top ten, Kawhi, just to piss you off. <laughs> Jesus, no, I really don't know in one. Like, I mean, Tatum's on the cusp where, and I'll I'll put big things for him. So maybe you know, he cements himself as a ten to fifteen. But other than that, it's really it is hard to pick someone. It could be Harden. Maybe you know, you can see he's. Motivation levels decreasing. It's so fucking tough. It is a tough one. Anyway, great chat. It's been fun. Uh, Let's let's leave it there. Uh, I know I keep previewing, but I swear that there's a very high chance the next time we speak, JL, we are going to have a guest on next week. I can't wait for it because I've been looking forward to it for a long time. Don't hold me to it, but hold me to it. Uh, thank you for listening to this episode of the Bronx Cheer Basketball Show. As I said, check out our social media. We're all on the main threes, three ones of them. Whatever that button is on your podcast app, whether it's follow or subscribe, please press it and then you'll be able to keep up with all our all our glorious content. Um, and if you are listening on Apple Podcasts or iTunes, don't forget to, don't forget to leave a five star review. Uh, rating (laughs) a rating and a review it really helps the show Uh, we will talk to you next week JL I'll talk to you next week can't wait no